Oh, Glenda, I'm so glad that you can make it to this farmer's market. I have some jam here that has your name on it. Cynthia, that's so sweet of you. I cannot believe you made gooseberry, raspberry, blueberry, Saskatoon berry jam just for me. You know it. You know, I just went hiking and I took inspiration from every plant, creature, and even some fungus that I saw. Beautiful. Well, it looks amazing. And uh, how many jars did you make? Oh, I made like three jars. It's a lot. Only three jars? Well, they, yeah. They're like you, When you're dealing with wild fruit, you don't get much jam out of them, you know? Oh, I, I guess so. I mean, okay, well, I'll take them all. Um, how? But when can you get me some more? This won't last very long. How much jam do you go through? I'm sorry. I'm just. Hi. I'm uh, sorry. Um, it's, I've not seen your store before. I um, I, I'm one of the the market reps. Oh, yeah. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Good. Um, I was just checking that you've um, you've got you know you meet all the criteria that you've got like you know at least a hundred jams. Um, if you're going to have a, have a table to sell. Oh, uh, excuse me. We're in the middle of a transaction here. Can you just like leave us alone so I can buy my jam? Yeah. Glenda was buying the last of my 100 jams, right? Yeah. I was buying the last of his, her, her 100 jams. Thank you for affirming me. Jeff. Yeah. I just, time, Cynthia. It's a really inclusive, like this is a market. We just want to make sure that, you know, you have enough to share with everybody. Um, let's go to one person. Someone that you know already. I'm just trying to protect against nepotism. Nepotism. That's the name of my stall. Yeah, nepotism, jams, and jellies. I mean, like, it's just branding. I just, I I didn't realize you were serious. (laughs) (laughs) A drop of hobby. A drop of hobby. podcast everybody it's a drop of hobby i'm your host sean risser i'm Kristen mueller heeslip and amy preston sanson this week i'm your bartender and i thought i'd bring uh the canning hobby to the table nice well that's on topic then i planned it from the beginning nice <laughs> do that classic improv thing of build a scene from a single word <laughs> uh I don't have any experience with making jam or anything like that. What about you guys? Yeah, I, uh, I, yes, I have experience making jam, though I do not have a canning kettle anymore. I have done my, I've done my fair share of canning, of boiling jars and putting stuff in them and then boiling them again. It's kind of how it works. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's not from North America, I feel like I need to point out the uh the something about the use of the word canning when we're describing things that we put into jars um why don't we call it jarring or i mean well, because that's already another word yeah oh and it Sean, means disturbing. You're, you're so i i never 
thought about that. Okay. So, I mean, we don't call it jarring in Australia because you're right. It's already a word. Um, but I don't know. I guess we just call it like pickling or preserving. Uh, well, pickling is its own thing, right? Yes. No, well, it's a subset it's, of canning, right? I mean, exactly. You can, yeah. Yeah. you can also pickle things without sealing the jar, right? You just stick some cucumbers and some vinegar and put them in the fridge and they're pickled, right? That's the process of replacing water with vinegar. Or if right. you put hot vinegar in, then it does seal the jar. Well, it might seal the jar. It's not recommended. Please do not take... We should probably put a disclaimer on that. It's like, please do not take any canning advice from us because I, it can kill you. So this is actually why I wanted to do this episode so badly. Uh, I have a story from a friend uh, where somebody went to a farmer's market and they're like a jamming, a jamming, a canning expert. Uh, and they would they see people all the time who have their own homemade jams and everything that they bring to the market. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was saying, like, they leave a huge gap between the water and the top of the can. And so it's like it's just it's not perfectly airtight and everything. And he'll tell them, I'll buy this off of you. Please. So don't sell any of this ever again until you learn how to do it properly. Well, you're supposed to leave a little bit. Yeah, I mean, also, it depends. Because if the air is hot and it was sterile in the jar and it's boiled, then it doesn't matter. Like, he also did other stuff, like he pH tested some and it's, like, completely the wrong thing and it would encourage, like, fungus growth and stuff like that. <sighs> I mean, look, we're, we are treading, we are getting, like, treading towards, I think, very dangerous ground. <laughs> I'm, because, I'm not recommending anybody does no, anything, but like this is just stories from somebody who knew what yeah, they were doing. But but I think what's really interesting is that like I guess we're, the reason we're talking about this is because we're talking about hobbies, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and I think yes, I am prepared to risk my own health uh, when I am poisoning myself potentially. Uh, I also eat things that are well past their expiry date and ferment things. Uh, as my primary means of pickling, which means that if things go off, I'm also prepared to eat them because I figure like, well, I voluntarily ferment things. So things that ferment accidentally, probably still fine. But I guess it's like the, the how far do we go to like instituting food safety, like, I don't know, things that then prevent people from sharing food. Like, I guess it's one thing to sell it, but at the same time, like, I don't know, could you make stuff for your friends? I guess, is it a question of scale? Like how much do we want to expect from other people at farmer's markets or whatever that we expect from like craft? For me, it's like, as soon as you start selling something, there's kind of an implicit guarantee that this won't harm you. Or like if it will harm you, it should carry a warning label or it might harm you, not will. But like, it's like, uh, like if I make food for a friend, it's like, I kind of want to, make sure that I'm not going to serve them undercooked chicken or something like that, you know? But they are also kind of, there's an implicit agreement, like, I'm not going to, like, eh. we're okay with a little bit more risk with that kind of relationship, you know? Just because we kind of assume people can make mistakes. But once it's kind of impersonal and a transaction's involved, uh, I feel like there is a desire to say, you have to guarantee that this is safe, you know? Okay, restaurant day. What's your view about restaurant day? What's restaurant day? Wait, really? Either is that of you? an Australia thing? No, it's a Canadian thing. 
Well, it's actually international, but it's been it's been in Montreal. Maybe depending on your timing, um, it was like it's obviously not happened recently. But basically, a day during the year, or maybe it was every six months, that like anyone who was interested in kind of getting into commercial, like commercial, um, whether they wanted to have a pop up restaurant or they wanted to sell something, um, I guess maybe it was sort of a, a, a day where um, it was coordinated. So there was a map that you could look up and you could kind of register that you wanted to cook things and sell things. Um, people were like selling stuff out of Laurier Park. Like there were people who had stuff out of their garages, people who'd set up little stalls in the parks. Like you could wander all over the city um, and have people like serving various meals and like baked goods and, and what have you. It's people who aren't necessarily professional chefs or they don't have the capital to start a restaurant. Um, so we're talking like real hobby people who love cooking and preparing food as a hobby, but don't necessarily like want to make it a commercial enterprise or don't have the means to make it a commercial enterprise. Well, honestly, um, professional kitchens are often really filthy. Uh, so I don't know. It's often six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, and you know, this is maybe more serious than we need to get on the on the show. But a lot of you're, you're more likely to get food poisoning because you didn't wash your hands when you were cooking in your own house than anything else. Um, and uh, like sometimes contaminated food gets into the industrial food system and can it spread really, really far just because there's a lot more of it than like one one lady selling her jam at the farmer's market. True. Um, one of my friend's uh, bingo items for this year was a wide-scale popsicle recall for that reason. Yeah, it happens. I want to circle back to yeah. uh, preserves mm-hmm. um, because I think that there's something really interesting about jams and preserves as a like as a hobby not necessarily like let's let's avoid the commercial aspect of it and just talk about the fact that there's serious currency in in preserves at least there is in my kind of family and it's a thing that even if it isn't happening because you want to preserve things through winter or seasonal uh it's a big christmas thing necessarily you know it's like oh we'll we'll make jams or we'll make chutney or we'll make something and that will be the thing that you make for christmas it means you don't have to buy like you don't have to buy gifts for everybody but there's something that you can give people that you've made and it will last for the year and blah 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 and maybe chutney is traditional because you can eat it with meat but the thing is I like making preserves and I like sharing preserves, but then I don't necessarily eat preserves. Yes. So (laughs) preserves are things that we make and we go to great effort to and we exchange and often we like switch one for ones that we've made and we get some back. But I've also recently acquired like the preserves from my neighbor's brother (laughs) Because he was moving house, and some of these preserves are more than ten years old. Oh no! Don't eat those. No, oh, no. no. We had some marmalade the other day. It's actually really good. Okay. Um, but like, it's this thing where like it's part of this kind of hobby and this generosity, and it's like it's it's all homemade, and it's something that like you think everyone needs, but then we have these like ten-year-old jars of ten-year-old jars yeah. of marmalade or like chutney or, or whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm curious about whether like 
what your both of your relationships is to preserves whether they're this like currency or you actually go through them well amy have you ever heard of the idea of being like a process knitter versus a product knitter right some people just really like the actual process of making things but they don't really want the thing at the end of it right <laughs> yeah so maybe you're like that with with preserves you're a process preserver you're just you just like doing it but you don't actually want jam well yeah I think I've mostly that's probably why I've I've switched to fermenting things rather than making jams because I'm like wait a second I don't even like I don't even eat jams I would not have jam. I don't really like jam I I just the kids like it but I would I can live the rest of my life without jam though I did get um for Christmas I got a jam advent calendar which is a nice, there you go. There's a Christmas gift idea for you. Yeah, little tiny jars of jam. Okay, that's cute though. I will go yeah. cute, the cute tiny jams. Like, so yeah. You just like, pardon me for my language, you just slurp, you just slurp the jam no, right just, out there? No, oh God, that's no. disgusting. You know, like the little jams that you get like in bed and breakfast, right? Like the tiny. You put them the- on toast like a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is giving me an idea for a scene. Uh, uh, sir, um... Can could you please put your uh, could you please put your jar of jam away? You're disturbing the other customers. Sorry, you talking to me? Uh yes. Um, this this is a library. Um, uh, we don't allow food in here at all. But also, it's it's a little disturbing to watch watch someone eat jam directly from the jar without even a spoon. <laughs> well, you see, I, I was trying. It's tiny. It's small. That's why it, it, it fits perfectly in my top pocket. Um, I just yes, get, I see I, that. I just get so hungry when I'm reading, you know. Look, uh, there, there's a cafe right around the corner. Why don't you take a break and go have some maybe toast? With some, someone, it. someone might take this book. It's it's uh, a very you know it's a very sought after book about Sherlock Holmes. If I if I leave, and I, I, I've got a whole I've got like supplies wait, so I can stay here. You've got the Sherlock Holmes book. Yeah. With. Did you get jam on the Sherlock Holmes book? No. I see it there. There's jam. You you spilled jam <gasps> on the rare Augustine biography of Sherlock Holmes. Wait, is that guy licking jam off a book? I, I am glad you are here, sir. Thank you so much for coming. Um, this is a library detective. She will he will be taking care of this case. Um can, can, could you could you take it from here, Mr. Malcolm? Because I really I'm I'm not I'm not quite sure what to do. Wait. Uh, yeah, sure thing, Emily. This is the case of the jam in the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, honestly, I just think Sherlock would be disappointed with you. I mean, I'm literally I, I I don't want to point the blame at myself here, but I'm really disappointed. I mean, I'm sitting here with jam and the book. Could have been anybody. What could you possibly? What could you possibly have to solve? We'll have to lock down this library and interrogate everybody. We just, we don't know who could have done it. Well, I think we do know who could have done it. And I have a second option, which is that we could arrest this miscreant and confiscate both the book and the jam and send them Where's to the library proof? jail. Uh, the courts aren't going to like this. There's so there's, there's heavy circumstantial evidence. I don't know. Are there any witnesses? Yes. There's me. Exactly, and I'm already confess. I mean, look, just just for the interest of det- good detective work, I just feel like Sherlock Holmes would be so disappointed in you. Well, I'm beginning to I am agree. named after him. I am Sherlock Malcolm. Oh, I, I didn't look, inherit his detective gene. 
I am prepared to go and have some toast and jam and give you this book because my goodness, you need it more than I do. Well, that may be true. And it is true. But we still, I'll be confounded till the day I die. <laughs> Who put the jam on the book? He did. He put the jam on the book. I did. It's closed. Oh. My God. <laughs> that was easy. Can I be the library detective? Yeah. What, what's your name? Simon. Oh, I'll handle this Simon. one. I'm a very good detective. Okay, so. no. Simon, can you take over this job? I mean, we obviously have a vacancy for library detective. How, how did you know his name? I, I'm, I'm here. Okay, then your job is to throw out this imposter, Malcolm or whatever he calls himself. Get him out of here. Incredible deductive reasoning. Emily, how did... You're an amazing detective to figure out Simon's name like that. I asked him. I told her. Yes. Could have been anybody. Your detecting days are over. Just get out. I hear another case calling me. Same. Got- Same. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened to my character there. <laughs> Why did they be- I mean, like, it started off at such high status and like two seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do love the idea of just slurping tiny jars of jam. Because, <laughs> like, when you said tiny jars, I was imagining something, like, thumb-sized or, like, even smaller. It's like, that's an impossibly small amount of jam. Like, I'm, like it's one, how it's do you put... fit that into an advent calendar? They're, like, one-ounce jars of jam. So yeah, it's like for... a little sampler. It's, like, one, one or two pieces of toast. Yeah. Uh, have you, Sean, have you never experienced a tiny jar of jam? I've experienced tiny packets of jam. Oh, no, the tiny no, jar of jam. The tiny jar. jars. I'm going to find you a tiny jar of jam. <laughs> I have one of these tiny jars around here somewhere because um, I use them. Like, I kept all the little tiny jars. So I just use them for stuff around the house. They're, they're adorable. I'll go and go get one. They are. They're very cute. So you have no experience with... I probably have seen them in like a gift basket or something, but I just didn't think yeah, it's one of those things where you don't The tiny bum bum all ones. That is the tiny so, jar. Okay, that looks like something that you would just like shotgun though, right? Oh, well, it's like a shot. It is like a shot. You could I mean, use them. That's yeah. actually quite a large tiny jar because like well, the beer. The, no, but like the beer and both. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> but I'm sure like the English ones are like squatter. You know, like the yeah. beer and burg or whatever. Adorable. Yeah. I got some, uh, or my parents got some jam from their friend's winery, which super bougie stuff, you know, mm-hmm. having your own winery and everything and making your own jam out of with your winery's brand. But it was also the best jam I've ever tasted. And my parents didn't get to eat any of it <laughs> because I just ate all you of it. it and it's like, well, that was probably one of the last times I ever actually ate jam. Have you ever made it yourself? Oh, we started the episode with me saying I haven't. Well, I wasn't oh, sure. I canning, like, I mean, I, was, I wasn't sure how, like, with you, you were referring kind of to canning generally or to um, specifics. But you've never, you've never been uh, kind of tempted by the, the hipster trend that is canning or pickling? Really? It's, less a, it's a bit, I don't know, out of date isn't the right thing to, to say maybe, but I think that hipster food trends have moved on. I always associated canning with more of a work. This is a horrible word. Rural lifestyle. Uh, I mean, I think traditionally, maybe. 
Probably, I think it's because my first experience with it was from the uh, webcomic Check Please, where the main character starts making jams every single Christmas and fills up his frat house with them. Um, and it's just, I don't, that's literally my, the first time I encountered this as a hobby that people could do. Hmm. It's funny, like, when you talk about canning, I have to say my first association to it isn't jam, but mm. it's, like, canning savory things. I don't know mm. if people, you know, like, I make, like, canning tomatoes or canning salsa or yeah. things like that. My, yeah. uh, my mother's family, they, they would always can uh, chili sauce, which is, like, is <gasps> not like any other chili sauce I've ever had, and it does not have any spice in it. <laughs> it's, like, it's not spicy. It's, like... Like, how could you describe it? It's it's kind of like a really sweet non-Mexican flavored salsa. Wow. It's so weird. More it has of a peaches Spanish in it. Kind of salsa? I don't know what it is. No, I mean it's but it's they're not they're not Spanish. They're like, you know, English this, speaking white people. Is this is this a family is this, so I find this fascinating. Like yeah. is because I never had a family tradition of like preserving except for the chutneys. Yeah. No, no, like I guess christmas time was chutneys but that's kind of it but yeah how did it how did it start like as a family did it happen i don't know it was something my grandmother used to do and then my mother used to do and like it would be something that like i would go home to visit in august and we would make chili sauce and was it like give me give me pictures of um you know was it was it outside was it inside no you do it inside because it'd be too hot to do it outside um and it would yeah you uh, yeah you just do uh, yeah you just cook it up cook it you know you, you boil all the jars and you know get the lid boil the lids and stuff like that and everything you do in the big canning kettle back when we lived in toronto ben used to volunteer for a uh, an organization called not far from the tree which would harvest like fruit off of urban fruit trees and one <gasps> time and that yeah so you would if you were working like volunteering to, to harvest it you would get to keep quite a lot of it and they would donate some of it and the tree owner would keep some of it but like one time we seriously had 50 pounds of apples and it was Jeez. like what do you do with all of these apples <laughs> so so that would like that filled up like a turtle pool full of apples <laughs> <that we watched. laughs> gotta make cider out of it i guess no we made applesauce because like uh-huh. my daughter was a baby so it's like then she was just starting to eat solid so it was like all right this is like she was like 90% made out of that applesauce. <laughs> uh, I want to do a scene off of that. Okay. Uh, thank you for coming to PTA meeting, uh, uh, Miss Alexandra. Uh, we want to talk about your uh, daughter's dieting habits here. Oh, sure. Um, was there something wrong? Uh, I, I'm not up to say make judgments necessarily, but I do think there are some issues we would like to address. Uh, You see, she got into a fight on the playground and someone bit into her and she was about 70% apple. Oh, well, you know, she does like her applesauce. Um, Don't we all, right? It's a a healthy, natural food. I don't think that's really an issue. Oh, like definitely. Everybody can enjoy a good applesauce, but I mean, like, she was literally... Instead of blood, she had apple. I'm sorry, I don't get the problem here. Is I mean, are it, her grades it, good? I think she's doing fine, right? Oh, her grades are excellent. She's very clever. And she's honestly one of the healthiest people we've probably ever had at the school. She never had to go to the doctor or anything mm-hmm. like that. But she has a rind. Mm-hmm. So? Does that not strike you as odd? 
I believe that it's important that we accept our children as they are and not try to impose our ideas of skin on them. I mean, what do you expect me to do? Take her to, have? has she been to a hospital actually? I know I just said she hasn't had to go to the doctor, but maybe we should have taken care of her earlier. Of course she hasn't been to the doctor. I mean, I've had an arborist out to the house a few times, but she's been, no, she, her health is excellent. In fact, I've brought, um, I've brought my, uh, I've brought an expert with me today. Um, an arborist? I brought my, uh, the gardening expert, um, from the radio. Oh, uh, there Captain. they are. Yes, um, pleased, pleased to, pleased to be here. Captain James, J- Jack the Gardener. Jack yes, the Gardner, Ca- Captain Jack the Gardener, can you please <laughs> back me up here? I mean, like I've called into your show many times. Um, I've all, you know, I'm not, I've asked you to come here today as I thought there might be some issue going on here. I, I was really hoping that there weren't going to be any problems, but um, I'm really, I'm glad, I'm glad that I'm here because, you know, um, sorry, Principal, what was your, what was your name? Uh, Jackson. Principal Jackson, Principal Jackson. I'm, I mean, look, I'll just man to man. I mean, I'll, I'll accept that. I, I was a little bit skeptical myself when little Clara's mum called in to the show and I thought, what, what is going on here? But you know what? I've, I've spent a lot of time with this family and I've really broadened my horizons of, um, I just, I never really thought I'd saw, see a, a child who was literally the apple of their mother's eye. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I just wasn't expecting when I started this school to literally have to prune a child. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a very diff- it's a difficult decision to make, and I, and I think really that the school should be very should be very cautious about the pruning decisions. I think that mm-hmm. the pruning decisions are really no, something that the parents should be making. Her hair literally got caught in a doorway, and we had to prune it. it the branches. Yeah. Got stuck in a doorway. I'm sorry, that's probably my fault. I changed her fertilizer, and uh, I think maybe her it increased her hair growth speed. Listen, no one's here to put blame on anyone else. The pruning was an honest misunderstanding. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to be pursuing legal action. It's all fine. But I just want to make sure that my child is in a place where she will really thrive and that there's not going to be some kind of prejudice against her just because... She happens to have a have a, a core and a rind. Also, I just I think it's I am I'm look I'm glad thank you for bringing up the prejudice, but I'm I'm also just as her you know gardener, uh, I'm I'm really worried about the squirrels. Like I'm also worried about the the kinds of vulnerabilities she has that other kids don't face, and I'm just worried the school's not taking them into account. It's. A little bit hard to take into account the uh, wildlife that's attracted to, I'll say it, the fruit. We thought they were weird earrings. It's actual literal fruit. And we're not sure how to deal with that either. I don't think we've ever had a child attract that many squirrels. I mean, you managed to keep them away from their lunchboxes. I just don't understand why Mm -hmm. you can't keep the squirrels out of the classroom. Yes. You're pointing some. You're making some good facts about the uh, school year. Uh, we are quite negligent when it comes to uh, the sanitation of our classrooms. But really, I want to bring. I want to redirect this back to the fact that nobody's curious as to how uh, this human girl became an apple. 
I think that's a little personal, don't you? I mean, I wouldn't you know, inquire into the genesis of someone else's child. You might get some a little more information than you require. Also, uh, Miss Anderson, we haven't seen your uh, husband or other uh, any other family members uh, come to these PTA meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you be able to invite them? Like, just find out what's going. I just want to find out what's going on in our kids' home lives. You know. Well, that's very intrusive of you. And no, I am a single parent, and I will not be inviting anyone else to our parent-teacher interviews. Is none of the school's business what goes on in my home, and I'll thank you to keep out of that. Okay, Gardener Jack, Jack the Gardener. Yes. Did she fuck an apple tree? I don't know. I really, I don't ask those kinds of questions. I'm, I'm really just, I'm really just concerned with the well-being of Clara. Mm-hmm. Some and of so us, should you be. Some of us can uh, can accept and appreciate boundaries. And be appropriate. I just, I think, I think we shouldn't accept that somebody can just be an apple. I think a normal human has skin and not a rind. Instead of, instead of apple juice, they have blood. I just, I just feel like, look, as the principal of this school, I just expected you to have a more open mind than this. Yes. I don't feel like I deserve to be the villain here just because I have a school that lets the squirrels into the classrooms and our students are a little uh, questioning about somebody potentially being a cannibal when they eat their school lunch and questioning the ethics of a parent who raises their daughter as a literal apple. Miss Anderson, I, I don't know, I'm losing hope in this school. Yes, me too. I think we'll have to be making some new arrangements in the future. Oh my, you're just removing, you can't just remove somebody from like, that's going to disrupt Clara's entire education. Well, obviously she's not safe in this environment where she's surrounded by squirrels and also by ignorant, prejudiced people who see her as some kind of freak. I oh, think okay, to, fine. Yeah. Take Clara, just send her to whatever circus you want to have her raised in. You can't beat a school that lets people get in contact with wildlife like we do. You're going to have a principal that cares about... What's possibly going on with school ground fights that reveals one of their students to be a piece of fruit? I can't argue with that. Well, I don't think we have anything more to say here now, do we? You'll be hearing from my solicitor. And scene. <laughs> that was a weird scene, guys. That was very <laughs> weird. Yeah, you know, improv doesn't have to be normal. <laughs> I just... Something about the when you said like uh, a good portion of her was made by that applesauce <laughs> or by those apples. There you I go. Just, uh, you take it literally. Always a good improv technique. <laughs> wow, it's hard to start normal uh, if the inspiration is a child made of fruit. <laughs> I, mean, I I feel like we kept it fairly grounded with just trying to talk about uh, what the child's performance in the classroom is and stuff like that. <laughs> issues, uh, safety I re- issues. I really wanted to walk on with just a dad who's like literally just a walking, talking apple. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't get there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would have been funny. That would have been funny. Sorry, I didn't think of it. 
Yeah, no problem. I should have probably just done the walk on myself. Yes, that's the benefit of uh, of of being virtual, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> we get to be multiple characters in the yeah, same let's just, scene. Uh, let's just go back into that scene. I'll be... <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you could just edit yourself in, Sean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Post. Just have the scene end with that. <laughs> When you when you make jam, what are the uses of it? Because all I've known for it <laughs> is spreading it on bread. I mean, that's the primary use of jam. <laughs> like, can you use it in pies? Can you? No. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, like, okay. Gross. Okay, put... we have two different answers here. Let's debate. You Let's go into the debate court. You dump jam in a pie crust. That's kind of disgusting. Pie filling is completely different from jam. Um. Yeah, that's true. I guess I put like. Yeah, I, I put apple butter uh, like and cranberry butter in a pie the other day, which, yeah, okay, so the other use of jam, like, you could put it on porridge, depending on the kind of jam. So Sometimes it's, it's in recipes, use, you know? Its primary use is to go on top of bread-like items. Yes. Yeah. But I, I believe in Scandinavia, they put it in cereal. Oh. So more bread-like items. Well, but like in a bowl of <laughs> cornflakes, you would like also drop in some jam. I actually have a problem with uh, stuff like this where it's like, if I make butter, it's like, oh, this is, if I make butter, I've never made butter. But it's like... You've uh, never made butter! You didn't I have w- that funny... Did you not do the j- the shaky jar thing as a child? Kristen, no. did you do uh, it? I have made butter, yes. Oh, um, yeah. It's not very hard. It's but not yeah, worth it's like, it. You just take some whipping cream and shake it about for a while and, yep. Yeah. I have whipping cream, actually, but I'm planning on making uh, frosting or something with it. Get some more whipping cream, put it in a jar, and shake uh, it about for like shake it about. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah, how come shake weight never uh, <laughs> never competed with that? <laughs> I think it'd be a bit counterproductive for for dieters, but <laughs> oh, dieting is a scam anyway. It is a scam. <laughs> what, what's shake weight? Oh, it's this horrible product that's similar to the uh, that belt that used to rub against oh. people's stomachs, except you just hold it in your hand and it shakes up and down for you. Okay. Uh, and it's supposed to like, oh, it strengthens your arm. And if you hold it while doing other exercises, it strengthens your core. And it's like, people could just... also makes butter. <laughs> make butter. <laughs> uh, but it's like, yeah, I don't like single-use kind of items. Like, I like uh, foods that can go in a bunch of other stuff. Like, if you, have, if you take a chicken or any other animal, you can make, like, a thousand things out of it. So the idea that it's like, oh, you made jam. You can spread it. I don't know. Mm. Can't even believe it doesn't go in a pie. I always thought that it could. Can't put chicken in a chocolate cake. <laughs> well, you could. <laughs> I think, I think you could actually use the chicken fat in the cake oh, and also oh. use the uh, crispy skin. Oh, uh, so oh God. Oh. There's a, a food blog called The Mid-Century Menu, which um, is a lady. It's mostly like doesn't it exists, but it's I don't think they're doing new posts anymore. Um, but she, this lady tries out like weird recipes from the fifties <gasps> and sixties and makes her husband like, eat them. Like aspic salad, right? Oh yeah, there's that. But it's also like all sorts of weird stuff. And one of them was beef fudge. It was like fudge. That sounds incredible. Oh, yeah, it apparently awful. it was actually really good. Because like nah. the truth about yeah. like all all rendered animal fats basically is that yeah. they're 
extraordinarily delicious and they can take on like almost any flavor you want with the right spices and it oh, this oh. is like use up some leftover roast beef by grinding it up and putting it in fudge and it sounds like it would be really gross but apparently it was good roast i don't know i don't eat meat so i've good. never tried it yeah. but uh, <laughs> it was yeah so you're not far off the chicken chocolate cake maybe well, it's because, like instead of butter you use rendered animal fat and i feel like that's probably going to say, uh, suit a similar purpose you know mm, i feel like you're talking to a couple of people who donate animals so yeah. no, oh. <laughs> no it's called schmaltz. there's a name for that uh, rendered chicken fat is called schmaltz and it is used in cooking a lot but uh i had no idea yeah. that there was just a name yeah. for it i've only ever heard people refer to like just fat or chicken fat yeah no it's a thing um and you know every eastern european culture has like a version of like fat animal fat on bread right yeah true and uh, here in quebec we have creton which is like pork boiled in milk with some spices that's made into a kind of spread it's gross uh, <laughs> 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 but it's traditional they sell it in every grocery store and they sell vegan creton which is also gross. So. That sounds <laughs> awful. Yeah. I feel like, Sean, to go back to your comment, I feel like the the kind of maybe because we have access to fresh fruit, like pretty much all the time in a way that makes us not appreciate the ability to preserve fruit. Right, like, now jam has become this thing where you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much sugar in it, and it only goes on bread, and like, why would I want this? But if you, if that was your only way of getting berries, yeah, or apples or apricots or whatever, um, I feel like it would be like a real delicacy. So maybe we're just spoilt. Yeah. yeah. Television killed the radio star. The fridge killed jam. Yeah, the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, international food trade from warm climates to cold climates killed jam. The greenhouse <laughs> killed jam. The freezer yeah. killed jam. Yeah. But it's because it's like also people used to like salt uh, basically a lot of the foods that they would eat in order to preserve them. And that's what made salt so valuable. Yeah. Uh, and now it's like we can't imagine salt being that valuable because we basically only use it for like seasoning and flavor rather than kind of life-saving good well, i don't know i mean it's pretty life-saving to put some salt in your soup but yeah nobody could possibly eat food without the flavor of salt and oh no I they can for- you can i had an aunt um i'm sorry i come from a my father comes from a very very big family so i basically have a relative who's done everything uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had, one of his sisters gave herself hyponatremia, which is like a dangerous lack of salt in your body by restricting her salt content <gasps> so severely. Like oh. she literally had the same box of salt for like decades. <gasps> you know how many times do you go buy a new box of salt, right? A couple times a year, right? But she had had it since forever and she made herself really quite ill. <laughs> like you can do, it's really hard to do. It involves some very disordered eating, but yes, you can restrict your salt content so badly that it almost kills you. Like wow. I made pizza without salt once because I forgot not on purpose, yeah. uh, and it was rough. Like it, the mon- the bagels that they serve in Montreal, I swear, don't have any salt in them for some reason, and those are mm-hmm. also really hard to eat compared to New York bagels for me. It's like I can't imagine not having salt in like everything. Yeah, it's possible. You have to get used to it. I would assume. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, okay, if we have any takeaway for the listeners, it's like eat a normal amount of salt and uh, <laughs> boil your jars if you're going to do some canning and uh, can things that are acidic. Mm-hmm. It's a good moral lesson to yeah. end on. Let's head into the final uh, yeah. segment. Uh, so, uh, Amy, what did, what are you uh, looking forward to do that you probably won't get around to? I am going to make, I really want to make some macrame uh macrame depends on where you come from in the world uh things to hang some pots for our sunroom nice is it like a proper sunroom that's like heated and everything like a solarium i think uh what do you mean heated it's a solarium in the sense that it's just a like windowed room at the back of the house uh like one house i visited when i was uh shopping for houses last year uh had a room at the in the attic, like I had a rooftop access room uh, that was basically like a greenhouse almost, and like it remained like eighty degrees even in the winter, uh, just from trapping in heat. So wow. Long. Yep. So this operates as a uh, walk-in fridge and freezer during the winter, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually great. Good yeah. storing oh, okay. beer. Uh, like, I mean, if you have extra things you need to keep cold, you have, we now have a whole room. So it's basically just like a windowed, um, ver- like built-in veranda with a roof, but it is very warm during, during summer. I had a, cool. an apartment once that that was my bedroom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a long time not. ago. Yeah, freezing in the winter. It had been a porch at some time in the history of that apartment. So I feel like you would have to hang up uh, blankets on each wall in order to actually survive that. I don't know how I did it. It had an actual window going from the living room into the bedroom because it had at one point been a porch. (laughs) (laughs) Internal window. (laughs) I used to live in what used to be a porch, but like in a... In Australia, so it was, you know, didn't have the same kind of temperature variations as here. <laughs> this is in Toronto, which is not as cold as Montreal, but still pretty cold in the winter. Yep. Oh. All right, what about you, Kristen? What are you uh, looking forward to but won't get around Probably to? Probably won't do. Um, oh, man. Um, I think I'm looking forward to going on a nice bike ride around the city, not for any particular reason, but just to, like, have just, just to go for a nice bike ride. Um but I probably won't. I'll probably just be like, I'll do that tomorrow, and then I won't. (laughs) I've been getting obsessed with uh, urban planning stuff and, like, how bike-unfriendly most cities are. Uh, And Montreal uh, is rated the number one bike-friendly city in North America Mm -hmm. and, like, number 16 in the world. And that's wild to me because I would never bike on, like, most streets I come across here. Oh, it's it's so much better. Yeah. Yeah, than most places. Yeah. It, it, which is wild to me because it's just like there's so many places where bikes just have to be with cars, but there are also uh, more streets than normal that aren't. It's just, yeah, we could be so much better, but it, it, we also are a lot better than other places. It's a weird place to be, you know? Oh, yeah. No right turn on red and the drivers aren't trying to kill you all the time. So it's like, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the uh, Rev project is really mm-hmm. nice. It's great. Yeah, that's right by my house. It's awesome. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So, Sean, what's your thing that you're looking forward to doing but probably won't? Uh, well, I didn't finish Clappintosh. Aww. Uh, Aww. I gave up on that project. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm happy with what I have. Uh, so now, 
I could just say that again, couldn't I? But no, it's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Clapintosh has evolved enough. Um, I guess probably uh, watching uh, uh, the Men Who Stare at Goats. My friend wants us to watch that movie, and I'm just like, uh, maybe. I've read that book. It was a good book. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't see the movie, though. There's George Clooney in it, right? Maybe. Okay. Well, that's a glowing, uh, that, yeah, that definitely sounds like something you're, I'm not even sure if you're looking forward to it. <laughs> it's like more of an obligation. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't have anything I'm looking forward to right now. That's it. Uh, Aww, the next the, podcast. That's right. Well, anything I'm looking forward to, but won't get around to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. I drop a hobby. A drop of hobby, your obsessions, your loves, and your dreams. A drop of hobby, a drop.